Number 29, Shamsuddin Habibullah. My eyes never beheld anyone more beautiful than you. No woman gave birth to one more handsome. Born faultless as if it was your wish. Hassan ibn Thabit speaking to the Prophet. Sheikh Shamsuddin Habibullah Jani Janan al-Mazhar was the son of eternal happiness. He was the beloved of God, almighty and exalted. He was the spirit of the people of truth and the essence of the spirit of the people of taste. He was the Kaaba of the pious and one of the flags of the noble messenger. He elevated the knowledge of the religion of Muhammad. He revived the way of the Naqshbandi order. He was born in 1113 Hijra, 1701 current era, in India. From his childhood the light of guidance and the traces of piety shone from his forehead. His features were molded with the manifestation of heavenly beauty. He was famous, like the Prophet Yusuf, for his beauty. Everyone loved him because he represented beauty. That is an attribute of God, about whom the Prophet said, God is beautiful and he loves beauty. It is also the attribute of the Prophet, about whom Anas said, Your Prophet was the most beautiful in appearance, and he had the best voice of all Prophets. Because of this, Sheikh Abdurrauf al-Munawi said, The Prophet had no partner in his beauty. When Sheikh Mazar was nine years of age, he saw Abraham, who gave him miraculous powers through spiritual transmission. At this age, if anyone mentioned Abu Bakr al-Siddiq in his presence, he would see him appear with his physical eyes. He was also able to see the Prophet and all the companions, as well as all the sheikhs of the Naqshbandi order, especially Sheikh Ahmad al-Faruqi. His father raised him and educated him in all branches of religious knowledge. At a young age his heart was attracted to the spiritual light coming from his sheikh, Sayyid Nur Muhammad. His sheikh opened the eyes of his heart and fed him from the nectar of the flower of the hidden knowledge. The sheikh took him out of the state of self-awareness and lifted him up to the highest stations, which produced in him great astonishment and caused him to faint. When he awoke, he accompanied Sheikh Nur Muhammad in further ascension. The Sheikh allowed him to observe the mysteries of the hidden world and gave him gifts from his miraculous powers and stations. One look of his Sheikh opened in him the nine points, the loci of the Naqshbandi secrets. 
From the knowledge of the nine points, he delved into the secrets contained in the five more powerful points, until his sheikh authorized him to activate the nine points at any time and to use them. Then he brought him back down to be in his presence and only in his presence. He brought him from one stage to another, enveloped him with his light, and protected him with his gaze until he achieved the ultimate perfection, and awakened himself from ignorance. He was steadfast in serving his sheikh with complete truthfulness. He continued to progress by entering seclusions in the desert and in the jungle on the order of his sheikh. In these seclusions, his only food was wild herbs and roots. During his period of asceticism, he wore only what would cover his nakedness. One day, after many of these seclusions, he looked in the mirror. But he did not see himself; he saw his sheikh. At this stage, the sheikh authorized him to guide God's servants to their destinies and to the straight path. He put him on the throne of succession, and by him, the son of guidance ascended the tower of happiness. When his teacher passed away. He continued to visit his grave. For two years, he received whatever lights and knowledge his master was able to transmit to him from his grave. Then he was ordered, through his spiritual connection to his sheikh, to connect himself with a living master. He reached the door of the perfect saints of his time. Sheikh Muhammad Afdal Sheikh Hafiz Sadala, and Sheikh Muhammad Abid. He attached himself to Sheikh Shah Kalshan and to another Sheikh by the name of Muhammad Al Zubair. He used to attend the session of Sheikh Muhammad Afdal, one of the Khalifs of the son of Muhammad Masum. He visited and studied with Sheikh Abdul Ahad, and received from him knowledge of the prophetic traditions. During this class, whenever the Sheikh would mention a tradition, he would disappear through self-effacement, and a vision would come to him in which he would find himself sitting with the Prophet, and hearing the tradition directly from the Prophet. He would correct any mistakes that might occur in the sheikh's narration of the tradition, and was acknowledged as a genius in the science of the traditions. He kept the company of these sheikhs for twenty years. He progressed further and further in the states of perfection, until he became an ocean of knowledge. He rose in the firmament of the spiritual poles until he became the spiritual pole of his time, shining like the sun at high noon. Sheikh Muhammad Afdal said, "Sheikh Mazar Habibala was given the state of the spiritual pole, and he is the central pivot of this Sufi order in this time."
His spiritual perfection attracted people from all reaches of the subcontinent. In his presence, each seeker would find what he needed, until through his blessing, the Indian subcontinent became like a Kaaba, encircled by flocks of angelic beings. This attractive power influenced everyone, even students of other Nakshabandi sheikhs. One of these was Shah Waliullah of Delhi, who grew very fond of Sheikh Janjanan. He said in reference to him, "He was a beacon lighting the way for me to the divine presence, and through him I received a great deal of guidance." Although he was no older than I, I considered him as my master, like my own sheikhs, my father, Sheikh Shah Abdul Rahim, and Sheikh Abu Tahir Madani. Shah Waliullah was referring to Jani Janan, and to his other two teachers, when he said in his book Atlaf Al Quds. The second category of teachers of the path consists of persons of such perfection that the divine wisdom has appointed them to be guides to the people. Through their agency, the community is united and disciplined, and God's purpose is made manifest. Spiritual guides such as these have mapped out the way correctly. They have prescribed a cure for every disease, and suggested a remedy for every hardship. In his noble person were combined the powers of the four Sufi orders. He was a master of the Nakshabandi, Khadri, Sohrawardi, and Chishti orders. He used to say, "I received the secrets and knowledge of these orders from my Sheikh." Said Nur Muhammad Badawani, until I attained a very distinguished power in these orders. He lifted me from the Abrahamic stage to the Mohammedan stage, which caused me to see the Prophet sitting in my place when I was sitting in his. Then I disappeared, and I saw him sitting in both places. Then I saw him disappearing. And I saw myself sitting in both places. Sheikh Mazhar said, "Once I was sitting in the presence of Sheikh Muhammad Abid, and the Sheikh said, 'The two suns at the two ends met, and if their lights were combined and spread throughout this universe, they would have burned everything.'" Sheikh Muhammad Afdal was much older than I, but he used to stand up for me when I entered. He used to say to me, "I am standing in deference to the high lineage that you possess." This whole world and the entire universe is in my hand. I can see everything in them, just as clearly as I can see my hand. He had innumerable miraculous experiences, and numberless visions about the heavenly world as well as the lower world. Once he travelled with some followers without any food or provision. 
They walked, and whenever they got tired, they sat. The sheikh would call them and say, This food is for you, and tables of food would appear in front of them. One day during the trip there was a terrible storm. The wind was blowing everything in its path. It was freezing. Everyone was shivering because of the cold. Their situation worsened until it appeared that they were going to die in the frozen desert. Then Sheikh Mazhar raised his hands and said, O、oh、God, make it surround us but not be upon us. Immediately the clouds lifted from around them, and though the freezing rain continued to fall one mile away, around them the temperature rose to a comfortable level. He said, One time I visited the grave of Sheikh Muhammad Hafiz Muhsin. I disappeared from myself, and in a vision I saw his body. It had suffered no decomposition. And his shroud was still perfectly clean except for a patch of dirt on one part of his feet. Through my spiritual power, I asked him about that. He said, O、oh、my son, I will tell you a story. One day, I took a stone from the garden of my neighbor and put it in a hole in my garden. I said to myself, In the morning, I will return it to him. But I forgot. As a result of that action, the dirt appeared on my shroud. This one action has tainted my shroud. He said, As long as you are lifted upward in piety, you will be lifted up in sainthood. Once he became angry at a tyrant. He said, A vision came to me in which I saw that all sheikhs, from Abu Bakr Siddiq, Up to the sheikhs of today were unhappy with that tyrant. The next day the tyrant died. A man came to him and said, O、oh、my master, my brother has been jailed in another village. Please pray to God to save him. He said, O、oh、my son, your brother has not been jailed, but he has done something wrong, and tomorrow you will receive a letter from him. It turned out to be just as he described. He informed his followers of great tidings, and some jealous people refused to accept what he said. He said, If you do not believe me, let us bring a judge. We will each tell him our point of view, and let him judge between us. They said, We do not accept any judge except the Prophet. And on judgment day we will ask for his judgment in this matter. Then he said, There is no need to wait until judgment day. We will ask the Prophet to give his judgment now. He entered a deep state of contemplation in his heart and was told to recite the Fatiha. This he did, and immediately the Prophet appeared to everyone and said, Al Mazhar Habibullah is right, and all of you are wrong. About creation. Existence is an attribute of God alone. This world is a mere shadow of realities existing in the Divine Presence. The reality of all possible creations 
results from the action of the divine attributes and qualities on the void. The real existence of all that manifests in physical creation is confirmed as a light in the divine presence. Everything that appears in the physical creation is but a shadow of the luminous reality projected by the divine qualities upon the void of non-existence. The world of the divine attributes is the origin of the wellsprings of the created universes. Because all physical creation arises from a combination of God's divine qualities and the void, creation thus partakes of two origins of opposite nature. From the nature of the void of non-existence and nothingness arises the dense qualities of physical substance that in the sphere of human action produce darkness, ignorance and evil. From the divine attributes comes light, knowledge and good. Thus the Sufi, when he looks at himself, sees all that is good in him as light from the divine that is reflected on him, but that is not of him. A simile for it would be a borrowed suit of fine clothes with which the seeker is beautifully dressed but that does not truly belong to him and for a while he deserves no credit. Conversely, he sees himself as base substance full of darkness and ignorance with a nature worse than that of an animal. With this dual perception he loosens his attachment to the attractions of the self and effaces himself and turns in repentance towards the divine source of all good. With this turning, God fills his heart with love and yearning for the divine presence. As God said in a holy tradition, If my servant approaches me by one hand's length, I will approach him by one arm's length. If he comes to me walking, I will come to him running. The Last Days Shortly before his death, Sheikh Mazhar was in a state of great emotion and intense love of God. He experienced a great unhappiness at having spent so long in this transient world. He spent his last days in intense contemplation. When asked, he would always say that his state was that of annihilation and subsistence in God, almighty and exalted. He increased his zikr in his final days. As a result of the intense light of attraction generated thereby, thousands and thousands of seekers entered into the way. Each new day would bring three thousand new people to his door. He would not let one of them go without meeting him. Finally, he became so exhausted that he scheduled only two times a day to meet with people. One day, one of his followers, Sheikh Mullah Nazim, asked permission to travel to visit his parents in his homeland. He said, My son, if you want to go, you may, 
but I may not be here when you return. This reply went from one mouth to another, shaking the hearts of people, as it indicated that his era was ending. With tearful eyes and broken hearts, people all around the Punjab began wailing and crying. His house was full, and no one knew what was going to happen when he was gone. Then he took a paper and wrote to one of his successors, Mullah Abdul Razak, O my son, I am now over eighty. My life is coming to an end. Remember me in your prayers. He sent him that letter, and he sent many others the same letter. Thanking God for his favors, he said, There is nothing left in my heart of anything that I have wished to achieve or to reach that remains to be accomplished. There is nothing for which I have asked God that I did not receive. My only remaining desire is to leave this world and be in His presence continuously. God gave me everything except permission to go to Him. I ask God to take me to Him today, before tomorrow. But I do not want to go to Him as an ordinary person. I want to go to Him as God described in His Holy Quran, as a martyr who is always alive. So, O oh God, make me a martyr in this world, and take me to You as a martyr. This kind of death will bring happiness to my heart and will cause me to be in the presence of your prophet and that of Abraham and that of Moses and with all your 124,000 prophets. I will be with all the companions of the prophet and with Junaid and the master of this order Shah Naqshband and with all the masters of the Sufi way. O oh God, I want to combine the witnessing of physical martyrdom with spiritual death in the state of witnessing, in the state of annihilation. It was Wednesday evening, the 7th of Muharram, of the year 1195 Hijra, 1781, current era. His servant came to him and said, There are three men at your door. They want to visit you. He said, Let them enter. When they entered, he came out of his bedroom and greeted them. One of them said to him, Are you Mizra Janijanan Habibullah? He answered, Yes. The two said to the third, Yes, he is the one. One of the men took a knife from his pocket and stabbed him in the back, piercing his kidney. Because of his age, he was unable to withstand the severity of the blow. He fell to the ground. When it was time for the dawn prayer, the king sent him a doctor. He sent back the doctor and said, I do not need him. As for the men who stabbed me, I forgive them because I am glad to die as a martyr, and they came as an answer to my prayer. He passed from this life on Friday. When the day reached its middle, he recited Al-Fatiha and Yasin until the time of the afternoon prayer.
He asked his followers how many hours were left until sunset. They told him, Four hours. He said, It is still a long time until the meeting with my Lord. He said, I have missed ten prayers in my life, all in these past two days, because my body is full of blood and I have been unable to raise my head. They asked him, If a sick person is in such a weak condition, is he obliged to pray with movements of his eyes and his forehead or to postpone his prayer? He answered, Both ways are correct. He waited with patience for the sunset, and he died. It was the night of Ashura, 1195 Hijra, 1781, current era. He passed his secret to his successor, Sheikh Abdullah al-Dahlawi.